Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good afternoon, Joe. How you doing? Well, we got a very exciting uh, podcast upon us, coming off a great victory in Norman. Yes, very exciting. What a win, man. What a win. That's all I could say. What a win. Yeah, I wasn't quite expecting that. I don't know how you felt about it, but, you know, they played great. We, You know, I did think we would come out and Pass the ball downfield more, and that's exactly what happened. And the offense looked great. Adrian Martinez looked great. The defense did enough. Knew Oklahoma was going to score a lot, and they did. Right. But we answered every time. I mean, we every time we went up, well, we went up 14 nothing at the beginning of the game, and then Oklahoma tied it. But then we answered with a touchdown. So, you know, every time... Oklahoma answered, we would answer right back. So that was really good to see. Well, I think you hit it on the head. For those who've been under a rock, Kansas State 41, Oklahoma 34, Saturday night in front of 85,000 people, screaming loud, lights flickering in Norman, Oklahoma. It was an unbelievable atmosphere for the Cats. And yes, I thought they would play well. I was a little bit skittish on taking them to outright win. I had a gut in my feeling that we could pull the upset. But the Cats, they impressed me. Um, They went beyond my expectations. And like you said, we knew they would come out and play better coming off the Tulane loss. We knew that in our heart. But what we needed to find out, was there going to be enough in the tank for the Wildcats to sustain a consistent offensive flow and take a few of the body blows and punches that you knew Oklahoma was going to get back to you, get back to the catch, just like you said. And at every turn and at every ring, they came back, you know, getting out to a big lead, 14 to nothing. I think that was critical in the Wildcats' success, silencing the crowd, going down and driving a successful back-to-back series was a big Big step for the Wildcats. And then it kind of fell into play from there. It was just a battle of two good teams being able to withstand the uh, the haymakers that were going to come back from Oklahoma. Yeah, and you mentioned the, uh, funny enough, the light flickering. I noticed that on, when I was watching it on TV. I thought that was a little weird, and you don't really see that a lot of places. I don't even remember seeing it at Norman, but you were at the game, right? And uh, so talk a little bit about that and maybe your experience being there in person. I thought it was very cool for Oklahoma to be able to do some of the stuff that they were doing creatively to keep the crowd engaged. Uh, I think it's something that all schools could look at doing. It seems a little weird, probably from the TV version, because you're not getting the full effect of it. Well, the first time, um, first time it happened, I thought, oh, the lights go out or what's going on here? But yeah. 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 And what they usually do, they're doing it part of the introduction as the team come out. That's part of their intro 
just like K-State has his intro at the bill. And then also they do it on touchdowns, on scores, um, where they take the lights, turn them off. They have people with, you know, like flashlights, a little lights in the stands where it's still lit up, but all of the stadium lights go out. And then they kind of flicker them back and forth, too, where they where they're on, they're off, they're on, they're off. And it's all just part of the hype and the rallying of the crowd. It actually is pretty cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, you see that a lot of times in the indoor sporting events, but not as often on outdoor sporting events, football stadiums and stuff. So I thought that yeah. was interesting. But yeah, and well, uh, go ahead. It was definitely a little bit different, but uh, it had some effect. And, and I was just, you know, we're going to kind of wrap this game up and kind of get into the next Texas Tech as well. But what I was really impressed with with Kansas State, and not only uh, as a whole, as a team, was just the poise and the confidence. Not only what Martinez showed as a quarterback, handling the noise, handling all the different distractions that had going on. It's tight sidelines at Oklahoma. The, the fans are right up on you from the bench. You did see a little skirmish in the second half where a little bit of a controversy happened, a little bit on the sideline, but it was nothing to do about nothing. But there is a lot of external distractions that you have to block out as a team and to stay focused in an environment with Norman where there's so many fans, the sidelines are tight, and and there's just a lot of different variables going on. But the mental toughness of the Wildcats to stay in the moment, make sure they continue to work on their assignments, don't get distracted by all the outside noise, I think was a very uh, – it was kudos to Coach Kleiman and his coaching staff having that team prepared the Wildcats for all of that that was going on. Yeah, and the I think it was K-State football Twitter account maybe or the K-State athletics Twitter account the day before the game or the night before the game, they posted a video of the team arriving and they said, all they said was business trip. <laughs> and that got me thinking, I hmm, I wonder if they know something. Or, you know, they obviously knew they were all focused in and they had a game plan and they were ready. And it showed. Unlike last week against Tulane, they showed up this week. And that was quite apparent. No, they definitely did. So as we recap the game, Joe, uh, obviously all of the attention was Martinez played his best game of the year. But I think it was a lot to do with Martinez and the conversations he had with Kleiman and Klein uh, about what their expectations were for him. And then I also think it was uh, Coach Klein, the offensive coordinator, putting Martinez into situations where he can succeed, actually running some of the tempo, getting them into a rhythm. I think all of those variables played a big part and success, success for Martinez. And I think his running ability, having some design runs along with the scrambles, really helps Martinez get into a groove. He was 21 of 34 for 234 yards passing, 
one touchdown, no interception, and he had 21 carries for 148 yards, and he had the big, long 55-yarder on that third and 16, which was probably the most critical play in the game, at least one of them, where he showed the moxie, the speed, and the heart, and the smarts to get down on that play was an unbelievable run. Yeah, that was the biggest play of the game, definitely. And just an amazing play and, and an amazing performance overall. You mentioned, you know, zero interceptions. That's the biggest thing. That was one of my worries. Now he he almost had one interception, but Knowles made a great play on the ball to uh, kind of break it up. <laughs> so um, that was that was one bad pass. And I'm being picky there, I know, but that was one bad pass that um, – could have gone the wrong way, but yeah, other than that, uh, he played great. And it, you know, it's one of the greatest, you know, K State quarterback performances in history, probably. You know, that many no. yards and four touchdown runs and a touchdown pass. And, you know, I looked up the uh, records for total yardage by a K State quarterback in history and, 10th place is 395 yards, and that was uh, Lint Dickey. And, you know, that's all passing yards. So Martinez, like you said, at 382 total yards. So he's, you know, right behind that. So it's basically a top 10-ish overall performance by Martinez there. And he's won all kind of awards coming off that performance. He was the Big 12 player of the week in the conference. He had some of the other awards. All the national media recognized him. Kurt Hershey had his as his number one top performance. So Martinez did what he needed to do. Uh, and I always did still believe in Martinez. You talk about that interception that almost happened. When you're when you're being aggressive, Joe, those interceptions usually seem like they don't happen. The ball kind of falls our way. But when you play tentative, it seemed like that's when the interceptions may even come up and occur. So I think if long as Martinez continue to play aggressive, they be timely with the play calling from Klein and what they need to do, I think we're going to have a level of success for Martinez that's going to always keep us in games and have us the ability to be able to score. You knew coming into this game, Joe, that you couldn't score 20 to 21 points and expect to beat the University of Oklahoma. You just knew it was going to be one of those type of games because Oklahoma has too much firepower to be able to hold them down for that long periods of time. There are going to be games where you have to have a 41-34 type game to win, and we were up to the challenge to do it against the number six team in the country, and we were able to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one final note I got on the game, uh, and then we can kind of move on to Texas Tech, Joe. Defensively, uh, I think we we played well in spots, but I do think we did give up a couple big plays that we can't give up in some of the other games because we're not going to always have this type of firepower production offensively. We can't get beat, you know, Daniels get beats by Mims. We know Mims is one of the best receivers in the country, but Daniels got to give us better technique in that and make that a tougher 
route um, for Mims. He ran right by him. We cannot have those miscues in, in some of the games if we want to continue to have the level of success we need to have. No, you're right about that. We can't have, give up those big plays. Climate kind of wrote it off to, yeah, that's going to happen, especially if you have receivers as good as Mims. You know, he's going to beat you sometimes. And he really did beat him on that play. <laughs> he got wide open for a long touchdown. But, uh, you know, it didn't hurt us so, so bad in the game because our offense was clicking. So, And also on defense, and you recognize this in maybe the first or second game, how well Kobe Savage is playing. And I really noticed it in this game. I mean, he really stuck out to me on the defensive side. He's all over the place, hitting hard, making tackles, and just playing at a very high level. Yeah, he was a defensive newcomer of the week for the Big 12. He had 11 solo, I'm sorry, 11 total tackles, eight of them solo. You can see his impact on the game all over the place. Uh, and he's going to continue to get better and better as Kleinerman continues to trust him to do various different things in our defense. And I watch, you'll see him become, as the season progresses, a blitzer that'll make some impact plays to around the line of scrimmage and sacks. Also, he'll be a run blitzer at time as well. So look for him for some more tackle for loss and some more explosive plays. He's just got a knack for the ball, and he's really, really understanding and getting a great feel for our defense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy with how he's playing and came out of woodwork. You know, I mean, he was – I'm not sure exactly how high of a rated transfer recruit he was. I hadn't heard of him when he committed. I think he was – I think North Texas was maybe maybe recruiting him along with K-State, and he ended up going yeah, well, K-State. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those fines we got out of Tyler Community College down in Tyler, Texas. Uh, yeah. And I don't think a whole lot of people was recruiting him, but as soon as you see him step on the on the football field and his love and his tenacity for the game of um, football, you know that somebody just missed somebody, and we got lucky right. with, yeah. a, with a great fine. Yep. And it looks like the kid just loves the game of football. Yep. Uh, 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 two other guys I wanted to mention on defense too. Brents is continuing to impress me with his tackling. Um, being a corner, he's a rangy corner, and he made some great good pass breakups. I think he was out of the game when that big pass came to Daniels because they was having to rotate because of the hot and the humidity. But I think when we get into these high marquee games. Uh, especially against the Oklahomas and the Oklahoma States and the Baylors of the world, we're not going to be able to rotate them corners as much because it's just too critical uh, in a one-on-one situation. And I know we got confidence in Daniels, uh, but Brents and and Bodo are two solid corners that we got to have in the game for the majority of the reps. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. And especially, you know, with the teams that pat, you know, run that hurry up passing offense like Texas Tech, like we're playing this weekend, it's not going to be as easy, you know, rotating those guys in and out. Absolutely. So my final thought on the game, Joe, is that I don't think Kansas State is going to face a more intense 
atmosphere like they did in Norman with the amount of talent the rest of the way. Now, I think Baylor is going to have a very good team. I think Texas and Oklahoma State and, and all the teams that we're facing down the line is going to have some talented players. But just a culmination of the environment, it being a night game, and the type of team, if K-State can go in there and beat Oklahoma, they're showing me that we have the capabilities, Joe. We still have to execute that everybody that's left on our schedule, we possibly should be able to beat. Yeah, every every game on the schedule is winnable if you beat Oklahoma. But that's been the case in other years, too, when we've beaten them. And it, it, it hasn't happened. So, but I think I've seen Baylor this year and they're good, but they're beatable if we play our game. I mean, in case they can beat them. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Any other game, I mean, t- Texas has a lot of talent, but, you know, they just lost last week to Texas Tech. So, it's not impossible to beat them. That's for sure. So, I agree with you. As long as K-State plays in a high level and brings their A game every week, every game from here on out is winnable. No, you're exactly right. So, Joe, that'll that'll switch gears for us and a segue into Texas Tech coming off a big win at home against the University of Texas, who was ranked at the time. And Tech got a new coach. Oh, Joey, there. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? My initial thoughts about Texas Tech is that I think high-powered offense, they want to run up to 80, 90, 100-plus plays. Uh, they're going to play optimistic defense, where meaning that they get timely stops, but they really want to outscore you. Yeah. You know, and the quarterback situation – uh, you know, they got Donovan Smith, but they got the other guy who's been successful. Uh, who is the Tyler Show? Tyler Show. Yeah, yeah Tyler he's, he's been injured. He had a shoulder injury in the first game of the season. And uh, McGuire said he'd be out three or two, three to six weeks, something like that. So it kind of puts it in this time frame where he might be ready for this Saturday, but we don't know yet. He's the the transfer from Oregon. Correct. And I I don't see them making a change of a guy that just beat uh, Texas. Yeah, Uh, I don't either. You never know. It Mm -hmm. looked like Smith had a – and he's a freshman. He had had a very good success last week, and he's a runner too. But he is a freshman. He's a sophomore. Uh, But he can play as well. So these kids are um, Texas Tech's got some quarterbacks. They got some receivers. They have a pretty good little running game. They have played a pretty good schedule so far this year. Uh, they're coming in at three and one. Uh, but when you look at it, you can see this kid Smith has. Over a thousand some yards passing. He's had five interceptions, though. Yeah, yeah. Two against and, NC State and three against Houston. So he has a tendency to throw it to the other team. 
but he didn't have any against Texas. He had two touchdowns and no interceptions. So yeah, none against Texas. And that's where I think with Smith, a young guy, he's a gunslinger. When you make him throw it enough times, and we just gotta can't give up the explosive play. I mean 25, 30, 40 plus yards. We can't give up the long runs for touchdowns. If we keep making them work it, work it, work it down the field, Joe, I think Texas Tech will make a mistake. Yeah, I think so, too. And they were saying the reason he was more successful against Texas is they threw more short passes and didn't go downfield as much. So he was throwing, you know, four, five, six, seven-yard passes, thinking and dunking more down the field rather than trying to go deep. And they're... uh, you know, their top receiver, Miles Price, he had 13 catches for only 98 yards in the game. So he wasn't really catching any, you know, long touchdown passes by any means. They were shorter passes. So, yeah. I uh, I noticed their tight end. I don't know if you saw any of the game. I watched it before no. our game, but... uh mm. They have a 6'6 tight end. Baylor Cup is his name. And he had had four catches for 65 yards against Texas. And, yeah, he's just a monster. He had a couple catches, and I was like, whoa, this guy's going to be hard to cover. But I went back and looked at his stats, and they don't really throw to him much, even though he he did have four catches against Texas and real nice catches. But – and it looked like he had one long for 24 yards, so he's somebody yeah. that we need to keep a keep an eye on. Definitely. Uh, yeah, he is 6'6", 250, so he's a big old target. That's a big guy, 6'6", 250. So, yeah, look for him. He'll, he'll catch some passes, I'm sure, on Saturday. So Price is the guy they really like to go, but he's kind of a short guy. He's 5'10", 180. I guess he's a kind of speedy type guy. Number one, Miles Price, the one you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So he, as you can see, he had 13 quad catches, but it was only 98 yards. So a lot of those are some quick hitters, uh, like you mentioned earlier, just probably to try to get the guy comfortable in his in his throwing ability. The guy at Smith threw the ball 56 times. Yeah. He threw the ball 56 times. That's a lot of. That's a lot of uh, passing. Think about, uh, I think Texas Tech had almost 100 plays in this game as an offense. They had 44 rushing, and they had 56 passing. Yeah, that's a lot of plays. (laughs) They are going very, very, very quick. Quickly on uh, on offense. So the question is, you know, do we do we try to slow that tempo down uh, on our side with, with offense where we don't run our tempo? And I just think the opposite. I think we should continue to run our tempo when we think it's necessary because it helps Kansas State offensively. I think gets into a rhythm. So we shouldn't try to slow the pace down from our side. I mean, doing what we do well as far as our tempo. 
you fly yeah, we, we, should, we should just be playing our game. I agree with you. And there's right. no, no reason to try to slow it down or anything like that. Especially after so successfully we played on Saturday, you know, just keep it up, <laughs> you know, keep the pressure on. So keep doing your well, let's, thing. Let's talk a little bit defensively about Texas Tech. Uh, if you look at their last few games, uh, other than the, where they beat Mary, they beat Mary State. They've given up thirty points to Houston. They've given up twenty-seven points to NC State, and then they've given up another thirty-four points to Texas. So it, it looks like their defense, like I said, Joe. A team, they want to outscore you. You know, NC State was the only one that only scored 27 points, and Tech only scored 14. And NC State is one of the best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. But uh, it looks like every team that goes up against them, they want to try to put up a lot of points. Uh, and they're not worried about giving up as many because they think they can just get the last two possessions or so and I'll score you. Yeah. Texas Tech is 72nd in the country in pass defense. They give up 227 yards a game passing, which that's, I don't know if that's a product of who, who, they, who they've played or the way they play. <laughs> You know, they're scoring a lot, and teams have to try to keep up with them, and maybe they're passing it more. I'm not sure. But 72nd against the pass in the country is not really good. And then what about the rush yards? On the rush defense, they're 27th. They give up about 100 yards a game rushing. Mm -hmm. So they're better against the rush than the pass. That's what it looks like, yeah. But K-State's – K-State's rushing offense is seventh in the country now. They're getting about 250 yards a game now. Mm -hmm. No, we're getting that. And and we're giving up a little bit more rushing yards than I like for us to give up. Some of those come in different type of situation. That's one thing against Oklahoma in the second half, just going back to that game. There was a couple big runs coming out of that halftime. That had me worried, yeah. Had me worried, too. <laughs> and, and and when I go back and look at the game, Oklahoma just blocked it well, and the guy ran hard, but we have to do a better job of not giving up 15, 20-yard-plus runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, K-State you know? is not doing real well against the rush. K-State's 80th in rush defense in the country. And that's not good. We need to that's improve That's not good. That. You're right. We're not we have to improve that. So don't be surprised if Texas Tech try to, you know, they, they watch the same films everybody else watched. They'll try to they'll try to establish that running game and then come back with the passing game. I I just think being at home and understanding that what happened to Tulane, Texas Tech is a very good team. All the all the teams in the Big 12, there's no off week. You've got to bring your A game each and every week. It's 11 a.m. start. Uh, I do think the Wildcats got some momentum. Uh, I do echo what Chris Kleiman says, Joe, that it's 12 
games, each week is a new game and like a new season. You have to start the whole reset button. And I agree with him on that. It's hard to do, but you have to look at it like that because Texas Tech is going to come with its own bit of circumstances and challenges. Uh, I do think Joey, the head coach, has got, got them guys believing that they can do something special. They played a pretty aggressive non-conference schedule so far, so they've been a little battle-tested. Uh, so it should, it should make for an interesting matchup. Kansas State is about an eight-point favorite. I think that's about right. I think we should beat these guys by 10. I think we'll win the game 34-24. Uh, it would be a little bit closer than I like it to be, but I think we'll we'll get it done and pull away in the fourth quarter and, and get a victory. I agree with you. Uh, this game worried me more last week than it does this week. Tech, uh, they've had two overtime games, which they won. And they're coming off I guess, what was a huge game for them. Texas was almost like their Super Bowl. And just look at all, how the fans stormed the field after the game and all that controversy <laughs> and stuff like that. And I think they may have a little bit of a letdown coming up on Saturday. So now if they would have lost the game, maybe I would be a little bit more worried. But I don't know. They've had they've had some close games, mostly. K-State coming off that big win against Oklahoma. I like K-State by two touchdowns. I think it may be, who knows, 44 to 30, something like that. But I think we get them by about two touchdowns. Well, I think we're pretty much on the same page with that, Joe. Uh, uh, you make an excellent point of them really valuing that Texas game as a big, big game. The fans storm in the field. Uh, it is hard for a team to come back emotionally, just like it was for Kansas State to come back and play Tulane after an emotional victory over the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that the coach will try to have them ready to go. He do got them believing that they can beat anybody on the schedule. I just think that there's still a new staff. Uh, there's still a new team. They are finding ways to win, and I'm not as bullish on Texas as a lot of people think. So I'm not saying that's not a quality win because it is a quality win over a very good Texas team. Uh, But I still, at the beginning of the year, thought Texas would probably lose three or four games or maybe even five games. Uh, I was never bullish of them coming into the season. So I'm not discounting that win. But I am valuing the K-State win because I don't think Brent Venables and Oklahoma will lose another game on their on their uh, schedule. Really? Okay. Uh, I, 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 and, and he said to me after the game, we'll see you guys again. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, so I think he really believes that. Um, I don't think that they're going to – and you'll see that coming into TCU – because I do really think that's a very, very good Oklahoma team. Um, some people may think, well, Kansas State beat them, and there are some holes there. But I tell you, they got some tremendous athletes, and their quarterback, Gabriel, is good. He missed some throws. Yeah, but he's he did. a very good player. So I, I, I look for them to, you know, probably run the table. Uh, I'll be shocked if they lose another game, even to Baylor, to Oklahoma State. Interesting. 
I'm not sure I'd have that take, but you you would know better than I. Yeah, I just yeah. I, that's how much that's how that's how much I believe in Brett, and I think they're disappointed. This is a humbling loss for them uh, with Kansas State. But I so what I'm saying is, I, I think from what I've seen, and I we still know Baylor has a very talented squad, and they're going to yeah. be a hard out. Yeah, they're going to be a hard out. But I still think Oklahoma is probably the most talented team still in the Big 12. Uh, and with us being able to beat them, we can do it again. Yeah, sounds good, man. I'm all for that. Well, the Cats, we should get it done. Texas Tech at the Bill. It's an early start, 11 a.m. I'm not real happy with the streaming situation. Yeah. I think they jumped the gun. With these two teams, this game would have been a little bit more marquee than this. Yeah. But uh, looking forward to Cats to get it done. I'm looking forward to Martinez to have another successful um, game. But look for Deuce Vaughn to have a big, big, big game. I think this is going to be one of those maybe close to 200-yard performance for him. All right. Well, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and I, I'm not a fan of the 11 a.m. kickoff, and I'm not a fan of the ESPN Plus. Uh, I don't, I don't understand that at all. But we don't have time to talk about that right now. I know that's right. We'll have that's to talk about whole, that at a different time. But man, that whole, that just sucks. A whole nother podcast within itself. Yes, well, sir. Joe, I appreciate you. Looking forward to it. The Believe Podcast, Reggie Blackwell and Joe, getting it done. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Reggie. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.